Hi, I'm Lindsay Tauber of Help Around, and I'm happy to welcome you to a specialty patient podcast with your host, Ishai Knobel. Each episode is crafted to bring you new insights into the specialty drug ecosystem. Our guests share Help Around's passion for improving the patient experience and making specialty patients' lives easier. I hope you enjoy listening to this session. All right, and we have Bill Daniels with us today uh, at the uh, Help Around Specialty Patient Podcast. Hey, Bill, welcome. Good morning. Awesome. So, Bill, thanks for joining us. Uh, if you can introduce yourself a little bit, kind of tell us about your background, uh, and we'll uh, take it right from there. Absolutely. So, my name is Bill Daniels. I'm currently the Director of Patient Support Services for Leo Pharma. Um, I have uh, over a decade of experience uh, in the, the patient support services space, uh, worked for multiple large pharmaceutical manufacturing companies, uh, providing patient support services for, for major brands. I've also worked on the service provider side uh, as uh, the strategic lead around a, a service provider's patient support and reimbursement support offerings. And so I, I would say that, that, you know, my area of expertise, as I always tell people, is uh, once that prescription is written, uh, that onboarding journey uh, and through fulfillment and, and adherence engagement is really what, what I hold accountability for usually within organizations. Got it. And, and things have changed quite a bit uh, over the past few years. And you've been with Leo for how long? About a year and a half now. About a year and a half. So, so what, what, how, how is launching uh, a specialty drug uh, these days different from the way it was a few years ago in your experience? Well, you know, I think a lot of things have changed. Uh, our environment obviously has changed a lot, which is, has added to the challenge. But I think that, that, that actually, from my perspective, the environmental change in the last year that's been forced upon us by COVID, I, I actually think um, in, in some respects helps uh, the patient support services space. I believe it's introduced people to uh, open their, their viewing on how they utilize technology in a healthcare setting. And, and quite frankly, uh, from my perspective, what, what I've seen when we, we look at, at, at that, which is a real focus of mine in patient support services, healthcare and, and, and specifically patient support services has always lagged behind the, the norm, uh, acceptable within society, acceptable within other businesses, for how they utilize technology. And um, I've been a proponent for some time that, that we should, should try to learn from those other spaces and, and incorporate that within, within patient support services and healthcare in general. Um, and I actually think that, that in the last year, I've really seen, uh, I guess, a forced adoption of technology because um, people you know, like yourself and I, you know, knew these options were available for, for some time and have always thought it was more, a more efficient way to interact in some instances. But, um, you know, people are resistant to change uh, often. Um, and, and an event like this, while very unfortunate for us as a society, I think actually um, did provide a, a pressure point to, to kind of move us forward um, in, in that respect. So, uh, you know, I think the biggest change I see is really that, that, that focus on how can we best utilize technology as a manufacturer to better 
understand the patient uh, and meet their needs and really move from a very rigid approach to a more, uh, what we would say patient-centric, but what I would say is customer-centric approach like you see in other industries, right? Like, why do you have to only communicate with my programs via phone and fax, but you can text and email and have a phone call uh, with Amazon and, and, and it will all occur seamlessly. That's right, that's right. And it's interesting, I think we, uh, you know, we saw a big in, in COVID, we see a huge adoption or catch up with uh, tech standards actually on the provider side, right? I, I thought somewhere that there was about 3,500% increase in utilization of telehealth, uh, which is very provider centric, which I, like, I'm not surprised right. by that, right? Who wants to go to the doctor anymore, right? I, uh, even the doctor doesn't want to see me anymore. They, they, so, so what are some of the areas that you feel pharma uh, and patient services uh, are going to catch? You mentioned uh, patient communication as one area. Uh, what are some other areas where you see pharma patient support programs kind of catching up with the program the way uh, providers did with telehealth? Well, I think, like, like you mentioned, I think that communication is a key. I think adaptability of support offerings is also something that, that we're starting to see change and I think will continue to trend, right? Um, if I think about four or five years ago, we as manufacturers really put out very cookie cutter programs and, and uh, employed a, a strategy where we attempted to force a provider to, to come into our system and work our way so that we could get them through and get information that we felt was beneficial for us from them. It was about us, right? It was about us getting information. It was about us um, feeling like everybody should adapt to us uh, because we have this very, very important uh, potentially transformative product, whatever that product may be, for, for a patient's life. And as a result, you should, you should be so motivated to, to get my product that you should adapt to this one way that I look at, at aiding you in, in that journey. And, and I think that, that what we are better understanding now is there isn't a one right journey for everybody. There's probably, I'll, I'll tell you from my experience, maybe four to six right journeys that, that are a combination of different factors. Um, but it's about us better understanding that and, and adapting to that in, in both our communication style, and, but also in taking all that information that, that we've learned because we're interacting and, and better understanding you as a, not just as a patient, but as a customer of ours who still deserves the same great level of customer support that you get from Amazon, that you get from, from uh, you know, Lord and, well, Lauren Taylor's gone, sorry, Macy's, <laughs> uh, um, uh, you know, um, Saks or, right. or whoever right. you're gonna hold as the pinnacle of, of you know, that customer experience. You know you, you know, you go to business school, you hear the case studies on, on it's Nordstrom or, or Saks or whoever, where you can basically, you could go return a tire to them because it's about the customer experience, right? Not about that particular event. And I, I don't so, think we really thought about that. 
So what, that's interesting. I mean, but when you look at, you know, every brand team in the specialty space or every, any space, not just specialty, uh, has the patient journey, right? And yes. you're saying there's no, there is no one patient journey. There are four or six patient journeys per drug. Yeah, absolutely. Right? What, what I say is, you know, what we should talk about is, uh, you know, when you look at the system, you always, I call it the sunny day, the happy path, right? Yep. There's one journey that we all used to anchor on. The problem is that, that we used to lay out the, the sunny day, the happy path, which quite, quite frankly is our sunny day and happy path as a manufacturer. And we used to lay that out as the journey and everybody should then insert themselves into our happy path journey. And you've got to meet it exactly or, or we have problems. And what I'm saying is, yeah, that's the preferred way that we would like to see it happen, but we have to understand that we live in a dynamic environment and we shouldn't expect everybody to adapt to our needs. So we have, and I'm not saying, this is about quality as well, right? I'm not saying that we need to come up with a thousand different ways to interact with a thousand different patients because then you can't have quality and quality is an important thing in our space, right? Because uh, you know, I talk about and I'll pontificate about the customer experience, but we do have to do it in a compliant manner, which do, does add complexity over, over Nordstrom, right? I believe that, that if you take that, that access journey to that adherence journey for a patient for a particular product, that you can break that out to your sunny day scenario, and then probably three to five other most likely to occur scenarios and what I believe is with the proper understanding of the data and, 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 and all of our inputs, that we can weave that together to better understand our patient and move them through that experience, leveraging parts of sunny day, exception two, exception four, and, 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 and choice B, right? That's right. And it creates That's a right. unique experience for that, that customer and it meets them exactly how they want them to be met, but it can still be done with quality. That's, that, that's a, yeah, I think that, that makes a lot of sense. And, and, and I think, you know, what, what happens is if you only focus on the sunny or the happy day, sunny day, then you end up leaving a lot of, of patients not supported. And one, behind, number, yeah. and one number that really struck me was from a study that came up recently is like, so, so patient awareness of, of pharma support program went down over the past five years from, from I think, 19% to 14%. So only 14% of patients are even aware of pharma patient support programs. There's also a regulatory issue here, right? Because hubs and patient support program administrators are not allowed to reach out to the patient until the patient opts in. Mm -hmm. So first of all, that's like, how do you react to that number? It's not a new number, but like, what are we doing wrong? Why is this number going yeah. down? You know, the thing that, that, that really hits me with that number, other than both of those numbers being way too low for, for anybody in my position to like, is that, that again, that it's gone down as, as I've enunciated to, as I believe our service offerings have drastically improved as an industry, right? Like we, five years ago, between, now to five years ago, I spent a lot of time looking at the marketplace. We, are, we, we as a market are serving the customer so much better now than we were five years ago. So the fact that we're doing such a better job and it's known about less is, is definitely disconcerting, right? Um, 
I would say to your point, I think some of that comes back to regulation, right? We, we, this is a space that, that makes us nervous as an industry, but, but I'm, I'm hoping that that, that can change because I do believe that we can talk about benefits to the patient in a legal and compliant manner that, that, that really highlight, um, you know, that we care about ultimately the patient's health and getting yep. them on the right treatment uh, as prescribed by, by their physician. That's right. And, and how do you, do you see any changes in the interaction with the physicians, uh, kind of in, given that to drive more awareness or, or uh, have we given up on the prescriber as a source of uh, enrollment? No, I definitely think that we still believe that. Um, from my personal perspective, I think that there's starting to be a shift occurring that, that is maybe a bit more focused on the support staff, right? Um, so biggest change in addition to what we talked about, about just general PSP, I think performance improvements and customization uh, and, and step away from that cookie cutter. But also, you know, I think we'd be remiss to, to not mention the, the really, I think, increased utilization of what we call a field reimbursement team, right? So the, whatever you wanna call them as a manufacturer, the FRS, the FRM, whoever that is, that, that is a field access specialist uh, that, that isn't in the office to do a clinical cell like, like a, yeah. a, a traditional sales representative calling on a physician, but is there to support that physician's office staff in understanding the patient access journey and the complexities of, of utilization management for, for a high, high priced uh, complex biologic product, right? Mm -hmm. and, and I think that that, that is, um, is really crucial to all of this working together in a nice tight system, because it's all about communication. Um, but, but again, I think that's another thing that, that has, has really evolved um, over the last couple of years. And, and I think what manufacturers are seeing is, you know, five years ago that, that we dabbled our toes in this and we'd have a field reimbursement team of maybe, you know, five or 10 people that would cover the whole country for like a blockbuster product. And now manufacturers are saying, you know, I'm not saying I need as many FRMs as a sales force, but, but I need to be able to support them, you know, three to one, two to one. I need to, I need to have people that are there to be able to really help understand because this access journey is complex. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, and now there's a new structure with that because the field is not, the FRMs are not in the field as much, right? The, I mean, right. they're fields so, virtually. You know, it's virtual. And I'll tell you again from, from my personal just experience of watching what's occurring, you know, you get to see where, where relationships have been developed and where um, maybe value is perceived because it, it's my understanding based only on conversations with colleagues, not, not any personal Leo market research or anything, but that, that the FRM teams are really seeming to have a, a, a higher success rate of, of, of getting into and, and having conversations with the physician's office. Because while we might be scared to bring people in to talk about a clinical message, people are still needing medical care. The access coverage still needs to be navigated. Utilization management to a large degree hasn't changed and still needs to be navigated. And those are things that, that, that just quite frankly, if, if that FRM 
is is felt as delivering value to that office, right? They're bringing them information that that, that office isn't getting otherwise. Uh, it's my understanding. It's you can still come in FRM yep. or, yep. or I, I'm scared about it, but I still want to talk to you every single week and we're going to do it by telephone now and we're going to adapt to a, a Zoom or, or a Teams meeting, but you are, you're not changing in, in our interaction in that respect. It might not be face-to-face -face and physical, which I think we all are, are missing at this point in time, but um, it, it is still occurring at, at a high frequency. Yeah. No, absolutely. I think that, that that's that, that, that's critical, and and it kind of brings me to. So let's say you know, if if there's something kind of going back to rolling out, you know, launching new drugs and and new patient support programs. If you had known that COVID was going to hit, what would how would you have prepared differently for this launch or for this work for launching a new drug? Um, what, what do you wish you had known a year and a half ago? Yeah, I, what I would tell you is uh, if I would have known a year and a half ago that we were dealing with COVID, I would have probably acted with more of a, a, a sense of urgency a year and a half ago. And again, what I would say is, again, I, I feel great with everything I'm doing in, in my, my current space. But when you, you think about it, I think that the biggest thing that COVID has done is we have to do all the same things we had to do before um, to launch it. And it's gotten definitely more complex because the general logistics of launching a drug have now moved to an even more logistical exercise. I don't know if oh, I'm enunciating that appropriately, but... When you, everything has to be virtual now, right? Like there everything. is, and, and, and we talk about technology and you and I love technology in ways that, that really do eliminate human communication, right? And, and that's great. But at the end of the day, at some, some point in time, even when you and I would be talking about a strategy of something we want to build together, there's value in a human interaction that, that occurs face to face still. So I think that you have to plan time for that, right? Like a year and a half ago, if I was launching a product very soon, I would say like, oh, I'm so comfortable because I have all this time. If I would have known that, that COVID would have come, and, and quite frankly, I think, you know, it adds at least 25% to your time burden, right? So like, if I thought that, that I was comfortable, like, oh, I don't have to worry till a year out. Well, I, I really needed to be year, worrying at a year and a quarter then, right? And, and I yeah. just didn't know it, right? Wow. So I think we'll adapt to that now. Um, and I think that, 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 again, as I mentioned at the start, as business, I think we've all adapted pretty well, but um, there are definitely times that, that a personal interaction, uh, I think, you know, one of those nice meetings that we haven't had forever where we all come in a room together and, and it's four different business partners and the manufacturer on a whiteboard hashing something out, that yeah. could occur in about a day and a half in a pre-COVID world. Um, now I feel like it's it's more like a week and a half to to to, to wow. get it all together and wow. and you know you can't have the same type of I can't Absolute ask you to be on, on on a Zoom call for eight hours with me right but I could, right. I used to ask you to be in a room with me for eight hours you know what That's I mean right. That's right That's right we do it offsite right we can't do that on Zoom just uh, we'll all be completely yeah, it's drained just, it's it's, it's it's, it's tough, right? Like I, I think the, the physical toll of, of, of sitting and being on a computer is something that, that a lot of people probably don't think about because it wasn't 
as much as it is in their lives now. And that's just broadly us, you know, our children, everybody. You know, it's interesting. Yesterday, you know, I, I had that feeling of like, you know, everything is scattered and I'm staring at the screen for so long. And then I, I, I don't know what made me do that, but I went to the whiteboard behind me and I cleared the whole thing. And I wrote on the whiteboard everything that I have on my plate right now. And I felt this big relief at that moment. Right? That yeah. it, it, it was physical. It was, yeah. it was physiological relief of like, oh, I needed this. I've missed this. Just writing on a whiteboard and looking at it and not in front of the computer. And, and, and I'm a tech, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm a technology entrepreneur. So I live well, tech. And, and that's it. Exactly, that's exactly the point that I'm driving home, right? Like you and I, like, like I've adopted to teams. I am, I'm living in that and, and we interact and it's great. And, and literally documents that, that we used to have trouble, you know, version control, we're all doing it live together. And there's a lot of positives from it, but, but you, you really nailed it, right? Like I miss my whiteboard. Like it's all there in my computer, but I miss the, the ability to, to write it down, to wipe it off, to step back, to look to, at it, to, to smell, smell the, uh, the what to call it? The, yeah, uh, to ingest it, to have a colleague <laughs> come in and say, and say, hey, look at this, look That's at right. this. What do you think? That's right. That's right. You right? know, I, I've got a, I, I got a, I had a, a what to call it, an impulse purchase yesterday. I ordered another whiteboard. Another whiteboard. <laughs> there you go. There you go. <laughs> I did. I did. I, I, ordered, I was like, you know what? I need another one. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to get it right here. And it's going to be vertical. It's going to be, and you know what? I, I'm going to treat myself to a whiteboard. And this is such a bad quote. I'm going to treat myself to a whiteboard. <laughs> uh, listen, it, it's great, right? I'll tell you, like, what do I miss most about not going to the office, like, every day anymore? Um, I miss my whiteboard. And I miss my stand-up desk. And I miss my big monitors. And that's, that's, right. that's, you know, that's it. That's right. And only some of it can be done at home. You know, not all of it. So Exactly. So, well, you know, it's, uh, I think the work, you know, the work is going to change. There are actually some great podcasts that I heard uh, earlier, uh, recently from, uh, from an economist, uh, I think it was part of the NFX uh, podcast series that talked about the world the day after and how the workplace is going to really adapt to be a, a place where people just come to get together once a week, maybe stay overnight. So they need to turn a big part of it to a hotel and yeah. then go back home. And, yeah. and, I, and I actually look forward to that, you know, actually being home, work from with my family, but then go and have that eight hours or whatever, really efficient, and then go back home. I, I think it's a, I, I'm hopeful, right? I think it's a fab, fabulous model. And I think some of us have, kind of, you know, you adopt to, to that here, right? If you are somebody like me that usually, you know, before COVID, I was at work three to four days a week minimum, right? And sometimes yeah. it's five days a week. Now, I, I, there, like I said, there's things I feel more productive about. Uh, there's things that I feel better about. And I do think what it's created is this environment where, where we'll have this flexibility. Like you said, we're all going to, we, we've been used to working how we are, and it's pretty effective most of the time. And we now all understand, hey, we, like I said, we missed this big meeting. Well, let's go have that. But we can all do it together, get That's it right. done, get it focused, and be over. You know, another thing that, that again, when you talk about changing perceptions, so, I mean, great example. I, I, you know, I have a team that works for me and um, I have been building this team out and I hired somebody, uh, a senior manager last November, uh, November of, of 2019, 20, November of 2019, sorry. 
right? And um, she was not somebody that was local. And, and there was no doubt she needed to move. She relocated, she moved to the corporate office, uh, you know, picked up her whole life, came and worked in the office for, for four months and then COVID hit. Fast forward, I hired another senior manager uh, start date February of this year, right? Yep. Um, she is from the same area as, as the other one. Never had to she relocate. She is not moving to That's New right. Jersey. Um, yeah. it, it wasn't even a thought in my mind anymore. And it was literally what you said. Why, you don't need to come because if I need you, you are in a location that is easily, you can come, you could either come That's for right. a day or you could come spend the night and then go back home. And, and we've accomplished what we need to accomplish. And that is absolutely not a thought process even I personally would have had um, uh, 18 months ago. That's right. And prove it, I didn't have it. I, 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 you yeah. know, I made one move and the other one, oh, I'm totally recruiting remote. And what I'll selfishly tell you is, you know, from a recruiting standpoint, it was spectacular for me because I wasn't constrained by my locality anymore. And that's right? a huge change, right? So much talent that is now becoming available yeah. and, uh, you know, and people don't have to move. And not for nothing, New Jersey is not an easy market. <laughs> That's right, exactly, exactly. And now, you know, people I see moving away. I have a, a friend who just moved to Oregon. And because, like, why? Because I can. And I wanted to live in Oregon, you know. So, you know, and uh, we, we hire people that help around now across the board. And I ask them, where do they have to be? It's like, they can be on the moon as far as I'm concerned. You know, it's like, as long as there's a flight to somewhere uh, in the U.S. where we can meet up every now and then, you know, that's perfectly fine. And they can work in the Eastern time zone. That's key. So, yes, yes. so that's the only thing that's left is some time zone. But I think the theme, the theme of this conversation, Bill, that really having a really enjoying it is um, flexibility. So you're talking how talking, we were talking about how, you know, things are changing. You got to be uh, you got to support multiple patient journeys. You got to have flexibility around the, you, you know, you need to be flexible to support the multiple uh, patient journeys. Uh, you need flexible platforms. You need flexible mindset. Uh, yes. You know, you need to be creative. COVID really took out all the creativity uh, in a good way, I think, out of all of us. Oh, yeah. Uh, and you got to be flexible also in the way that you f we find our own, our own internal sanity, I think, uh, given this really uh, difficult uh, situation. But look, we're almost out there. We're almost uh, out of the, hopefully, with the vaccines. Uh, we're almost, uh, we're almost, you know, we get, we're getting out there. My family is in Israel and all my friends in Israel and Israel, basically, I just got a picture, a video of them sitting in a, in a performance indoor. Uh, oh, nice. Culture Soon. is back. Yes. People are in cafes and restaurants. Uh, 60% Someday of the Broadway will come back. Won't that be fun? Uh, exactly. And someday, you know, I don't, I actually, I don't know if, how much, how much I miss. Uh, I definitely miss going to the conferences, uh, to an extent, maybe not as, uh, extensively as the past. Do you miss it at all? I, you know what I, I was, somebody was asking me about conferences and yes, I, I do. Maybe not to the level, like, you know, again, we, there, you could go to one every single week if you wanted to, uh, That's before, right. but the big ones I absolutely miss, right? Like again, Sambia. I, I think there's value in that. I am somebody who likes to understand what everybody else is doing. I, I'm somebody who believes 
that it's about the marketplace and my customer. And if I don't understand what, what the marketplace is doing and what my customer wants, then, then I'm never going to be successful, right? And I think that the, the large conferences are a great opportunity for, for people like me to be in a, a bit more relaxed setting with, with other manufacturer colleagues where we can just say, hey, what's working for you? What are you looking yeah. at? What do you think is cool, right? There's some people I haven't had a, the interaction I'd like to have with that, that you have in these settings where it's just like, hey, what are you thinking? Who are the cool people that, that you've talked to recently, right? Like Usually that happens over a beer. Exactly. You know? That's This is what we're missing because quite frankly, how did we meet, right? Like we met yeah. at one of those things through somebody yeah. that we both know who said, hey, you know, help around is is cool. And I know that that like, this is what you think about, Bill. So yeah, that you guys space, gotta talk. I miss. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Bill, this has been really, really great. And I really hope that very soon we'll be able to get that beer uh, one place or another uh, in person, all vaccinated and absolutely uh, safe and happy. And, uh, and I really appreciate you taking the time. And, uh, you know, it just, feels like you know we're all in this together and we'll figure it out and we'll uh, make it work for our industry and for the patients and also and hopefully for our colleagues as well absolutely hey listen it's been great talking anytime uh, i love the conversation all right thank you so much bill thanks for listening to the specialty patient podcast follow us for even more episodes on any of your preferred podcast streaming services including Apple and Spotify. You have a suggestion for a topic or a guest? Please send an email to lindsay at helparound.co. And for more information on Helparound, visit helparound.co.